Hi, and welcome to another episode of On Air with Danielle Gray. We're going to be talking to Terry. He has a pretty incredible life journey and a pretty motivational way of living. So I'm going to let Terry introduce himself. Well, Danielle, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. I'll give you the condensed version of me. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall, and I played college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. Uh, when I graduated from college, I moved home to find a job. I was actually the first person in my family to graduate from college, and I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I look back now and realize how little I knew about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain, uh, in their marketing department. Unfortunately, I lived with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Professionally, as I said, started out at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator, then I took a major pivot in my life and became a police officer and part of what I did during that time was I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. After my law enforcement career, I started my own school security consulting business. I coached girls high school basketball. I became an author in 2020. But for the last 10 years, I've been battling a rare form of cancer. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Oh, wow. You have a pretty amazing life and uh, relationship goals <laughs> <holds> there. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to start off with the first question here. Um, how can we take back our control over our minds so we can stop controlling our ourselves with our mindsets? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I always tell people, be very careful how you talk to yourself. And we all have uh, self-talk. We all talk to ourselves. But I, I'll just use a basketball example since it's what I know. The same part of your brain that lights up when you shoot, when you practice shooting a basketball, is the same part of your brain that lights up when you think about shooting a basketball. So if you correlate that to what you're saying to yourself, for example, if you if you walk around, you know, if you're in school and you're like, you know, I'm really bad at algebra. I'm terrible at algebra. I'm never going to be any good at algebra. Eventually, you're going to hardwire your brain to the point where you are going to be bad at algebra. You're not going to be able to do it. So be very careful what you say to yourself and how you do that. Your self-talk, your mind, if you don't control your mind, your mind is going to control you. So the first thing you need to do is understand that we're all gonna have negative thoughts. We're, we're human beings, that, that's, that's part of life. But take those negative thoughts, flip them into something that's more positive for you, and then say those back to yourself. The other thing I would suggest people do is spend five minutes every day just being alone with yourself. Doesn't matter where your mind goes, doesn't matter what you think about, doesn't matter, but have no devices in your room. 
Just sit there for five minutes and let your mind go where it goes. Because if you can get to the point where you're comfortable with you, I'll give you a story. There's a book called Do Hard Things. It's by a man by the name of Steve Magnus. And he talks about a therapist who did a very simple experiment. He put people in a room that had nothing in it but a table and a chair. No devices, no cell phones, no iPhones, nothing. Put them in a room. The only thing that was in the room other than the table and the chair was a buzzer. And the buzzer, if you wanted to, you could press the buzzer, but you'd shock yourself. You'd give yourself an electric shock. He put people in a room for 15 minutes. 67% of the men and 25% of the women shocked themselves. Oh my God. Including one man who shocked himself every 4.7 seconds. Oh my gosh. So if you can't be alone with yourself, then you're gonna have a hard time controlling your mind. That's good to know. That's really good to know because I'm still working on my mindset. So that's good to know so much. Oh my gosh. Um, how can we also embrace our pain from different times in our lives and situations and make us stronger? Sure. So our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. So to the brain, the, the status quo, the way things are right now is comfortable and familiar and should just be left alone. Yeah. The problem with that is the only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to develop, the only way you're going to get better is if you step outside those comfort zones and do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I would recommend this to, to you and to your audience. I try to do it every single day of my life. Yeah. Do one thing every day that makes you nervous, that scares you, that's potentially embarrassing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But if you do those small things every day, when the big disasters in life hit us, and they hit all of us, we lose our job, we, we have somebody close to us that dies, we find out we have a chronic or a terminal illness. If you do the small things every day, when the big things in life hit, you'll be much more resilient to handle those things than people who don't do those things. And instead of running away from pain, instead of getting away from pain, yeah. let me suggest this. Do this. It's flip it inside. Take pain, take uncomfortableness, take discomfort, and flip it inside. Burn it as fuel. Use it as energy to make you a stronger and more resilient individual. We're all going to experience pain in our lives. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. Do you take it and use it to make you a stronger individual or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? It's a choice. You have a choice on how you want to handle pain. I would suggest using it to make you stronger. That's, oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's like I've been trying to do uncomfortable things, even filming my podcast almost every day is uncomfortable for me, but I'm doing it because I want to help people and I want to become a public speaker. And I also just want to connect with other people. So I think that doing uncomfortable things, yeah, it's uncomfortable for a while, but then you get over that hurdle and you become so much better at 
doing the things that you want to do. You do. I, I mean, I remember when I, I did my first podcast, somebody had reached out to me and said, would you be a guest on my podcast? And my response was, what's a podcast? Yeah. I had no idea what a podcast was. Exactly. And, and when they explained it to me, I'm like, okay, I, I think I'll do it, but it scares me. And, and I, I literally had posted notes with answers to questions written all around my camera. So if somebody would ask me a question, I'd be like, well, the answer to that. And then I would read the posted note. I was terrible when I started to do this. I didn't have good stories and I was scared to death. But like you, the more you do it, you get better at it. You get more comfortable with it. And as a result, you have more fun with it. Exactly. I think that that's so important to sit in the uncomfortableness and just keep going forward. Because it's so hard for people to sit in the uncomfortableness. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why are you yeah, so I mean, think about it. I mean, if you're going to sit in with a table and chair and you're going to shock yourself, boy, that says you're really not comfortable being alone with yourself. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. Um, how can the listeners of my podcast let go of their past and look for more optimistic opportunities in their lives and just optimistic in general? Yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely nothing you can do about your past except to learn from it. You can't go back and repeat it. You can't go back and change things. Things are the way they are, and they happen for a reason. Sometimes we don't know what that reason is. You know, why did I have to suffer like that? Why did I have to go through that? Why did this happen to me? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, and, and a lot of people don't know the answer. And that paralyzes them. They're like, wait a minute, that was so bad. I never want to get to a point where I'm in that again. So as, as long as I stay right here in my little box, in my little comfort zone, I'll be fine. Yeah. But again, it goes back to, do you want to stay in that comfort zone or do you want to grow? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get smarter? Do you want to improve? And, it, and that's a choice that you have to make. So I would, I would tell people, to take that ugliness, take that pain that we all experience in life. And Danielle, I'm sorry, I just had a senior moment. My answer just oh, totally no. went right out of my head. So oh, I, I apologize. Could you ask me that question one more time? Oh yeah, how do we just stay optimistic through our past? Like um, it's so hard with our brains, like we're so rewired to keep going over and over and over in our past and it keeps us stuck. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we we know our past. You know, we, we can put that script or we can put that movie on in our minds and we can see it and we can see it and we can see it. And and it's, it's not going to change. But in a lot of cases, if it's bad, it's going to teach you to, to not be aggressive in what you want in your life. <laughs> we are all born... I believe, to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. And that has absolutely nothing to do with what kind of job we have, how much money we, we make, what kind of car we drive, where we live, anything like that. We are not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. So I, I, would, I, would, I guess my answer would be that. And, and to take all this ugliness, to take all this bitterness, you have a choice. You can choose to be positive or you can choose to wallow in your ugliness and your pain and use that 
to make you feel sorry for yourself. And, and but believe me, don't get me wrong, I'm still battling cancer. There are days when I feel sorry for myself. There are days I feel down. There are days I cry. But when I do that, I find that I'm looking inward. I'm looking at, oh, look at me. I'm really, you know, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I find a way to get over that is to start to look outward. Who can I make a difference in their life? Who can I pick up the phone and call? Who can I say, you know, I, I go to the hospital every three weeks for, to be treated. Who can I find that just wants to talk or have a cup of coffee or, or, or whatever? You can always find somebody that's worse off than you are. And instead of looking inward, now use your attention, use your focus on helping that individual. Now, all of a sudden, your focus is not on you. Your focus is on somebody else. And you'll be amazed at how much better you feel because you're helping another person. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, um, it's motivating <laughs> to help other people. Sure. It really is. Um, what was the other question I was going to ask? We are currently living in a world where a lot of um, distressing things are happening. How can we kind of move through that and move forward and keep being optimistic about the future? I guess I would look at those things and say, how much of those are in your control? Yeah. What can you control? If there are, you know, we hear about all the things going on in, in politics, either in Washington or, or whatever state we live in or what city we live in. Do you really have any control over any of that? No, you, you, you really don't. And the bottom line is, where do you put your focus? Do you put your focus every day on getting better? And again, going back to doing one thing every day that makes you uncomfortable, that's going to get you better. But if you also... You know, it's kind of like, how do you eat the elephant Yeah, one bite at a time? If you look at the elephant and say, oh, my God, I've got to eat that elephant. There's no way. It's too big. But yeah. if you break it down to, I can eat that elephant one bite at a time. For example, if somebody wants to be a better salesperson, well, that's a pretty lofty goal. That's a pretty large goal. But what if you said to yourself, I'm going to get 1% better every day at being a salesperson? So today, I got 1% better. Tomorrow, I'm 2% better. So at the end of a month, you're 30% better than when you started. At the end of a quarter, you're almost 100%. You're 90% better than when you started. And it's much easier to do that, to try to get better, 1% better every day, than it is to say, I want to get better at sales. That's way, that's such a huge goal that you need to break it down into bite size, into manageable, again, going back to how do you eat the elephant, one bite at a time, one bite size time, uh, piece at a time, and you can eat the elephant. But you can't do that if you're looking at this huge mo monstrous goal in front of you, and there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to accomplish. You don't know where to start. But the other thing I would suggest is you can read all the self-help books. You can read all the I'm going to get better at sales books. You can read all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, you've got to start. You've got to say, okay, you know what? Read all these books. They're great. But books are great, and I, I, I read constantly. But at some point in time, you've got to act. You've got to say, okay, I'm going to start here. I don't know if this is the right place to start, but I'm going to start here, and hopefully that's going to get me to my goal. 
If it's not, at least I'm doing something. At least there's action behind the thoughts that I'm trying to get better at. Yeah, instead of just staying like anxious or stuck, like you have to move forward at some point and make a decision. Whether it's wrong or right, you have to just keep going and just kind of move forward because you're going to just be stuck if you don't. You are, and and, I, and I'm old enough, and, and, you know, where I've seen people that, that'll study something to death yeah. and they will never pull the trigger. You yeah. know, they will never say, okay, you know, I need more information. I've got to read another book or I've got to talk to another person or I've got to get some more information. Okay. But at some point in time, you've got to either decide to act or to abandon what you're doing and move on to something else. And the problem is so many people get caught up in the, I've got to have every piece of information I could possibly have before I can make this decision. I got news for you. You'll never have all the information. You've got to make the best decision that you can make with the information that you have at this moment and then move forward. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there where I've studied so much where I've just been like, oh, my God, now I realize that I'm stuck. Like, I have to make a decision. Like, I can't keep moving or not moving forward, just keep staying stuck and then thinking, why am I stuck? And then not figuring out a way to get out of that situation. It's like you have to move forward at some point and just decide to do something. And it's but people so, don't. People live yeah. a casual life. Yeah. And as a result, their goals, their dreams, their ambitions become a casualty yeah. of that unplanned living. You've got to have goals in your life. But before you have goals, I would caution you, why, why do most New Year's resolutions you know, fall by the wayside by February? Why yeah. do most people's goals never get achieved? I believe it's because they don't tie them to their values. If you don't know what your values are, if you don't know what you're willing to die for, if you don't know what you're willing to give your life's work for, with the understanding that you still may not be successful, you don't know your values. So figure out your values first and then tie your goals, tie your ambitions to those values. You have a much better chance of succeeding in that case. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's why so many people are so bad with resolutions because we just we're so we're so comfortable with being stuck. And then we wonder why we're stuck. Yeah. It's just, it's an, it's an ongoing, like, infinity kind of, like, transition of just going in a circle. Yeah, it's like a hamster on a wheel. You're just going yeah, around and, and it, around and around, and you're never getting anywhere. And it's like, we just don't realize that this is why we're stuck. And it's so simple, but it, it's so hard for a lot of us to just accept. It's scary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to be comfortable. If you're comfortable, things are good. It's not scary. But to improve, to want to get better, to want to chase your dreams, that's yeah. scary because oh, you yeah. don't know what's on the other side of those dreams. Yeah, exactly. Now, what else was I going to ask you? How can we um, feel like we're in a situation where we feel like we want to quit, but how do we still keep going? Again, I, I think you have to control your mind. Yeah. Um, your your mind dictates everything you you are. You will become, we all become what we think. So yeah. if you can see something in your mind's eye, if you can see yourself going to medical school, if you can see yourself 
driving a truck. If you can, whatever it is, if you can see it in your mind's eye, then it's a possibility that it can happen. If yeah. you can't see it, if there's no way you can see yourself doing that, there's no way you're ever going to accomplish that. So yeah. you've, you've got to understand what your goals are. You've got to understand what you want. And you've got to see that in your mind's eye. If you yeah. can do that, then you, you can become anything you want. But again, it goes back to controlling your mind. Yeah. There was a, a basketball coach at Indiana University when I was growing up by the name of Bobby Knight. And Bobby Knight had some of the greatest basketball team, college basketball teams of all times. And Knight had a saying that went like this, mental is to physical as four is to one. So here's this great coach teaching elite athletes to use their bodies to be great basketball players on the court. But what he was really saying with that quote is that your mind or your mindset is four times more important than anything your physical body is going to do. I had a, a nurse recently ask me what it was like to have my foot amputated, which I had in, in 2018, and then I had my leg amputated during the COVID pandemic. And I told her it hasn't been easy. I'm still learning how to walk again. I'm still pretty much in a wheelchair. Yeah. What I told her is that cancer can take all my physical faculties but cancer can't touch my mind, it can't touch my heart, and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Danielle. That's who everybody who's listening to us is, our heart, our mind, and our soul. I'm not telling you to don't, not to spend time on your physical appearance or what you're wearing or how your hair looks or going to the gym. You should do those things. Yeah. But spend more time on who you really are. Spend more time on developing your heart, your mind, and your soul. Yeah, I think I heard a public speaker. I'm not too sure what his name is, but um, he said 95% of it, of your success is your mindset. And then the rest is just the physical work. Yeah. So yeah, that's for sure. I, I still I'm feel so sorry about your leg and your foot, but um, man, you are incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Just to keep going and to motivate other people to be so mindful of themselves and create a better mindset because no matter what we're going through, our mindset should just be the most positive thing that we can possibly keep control over. Even though we do have negative thoughts, those are okay. They're not they bad. are. Yeah, and it's, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to have those negative thoughts. We're human beings. They're, they're going yeah. to happen. But again, how are you talking to yourself? What are you saying? You know, are yeah. you, I mean, I, when I was in college, I remember guys would go out partying the night before a test, and then they would come into the exam, and what would they say? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm really going to blow this test. You know, I, I'm hungover and stuff like that. <laughs> Nobody ever goes into the test and says, you know what? I paid attention all semester, and, you know, I know this stuff. I'm going to do great on the test. Nobody ever says that. They always go to the negative. Why do we always go to the negative? Be careful what you say to yourself. Yeah, we're our own best friend. We should be careful yeah. what we say to ourselves. Our worst enemy, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, exactly. It's like we can either choose to be our own best friend or our own worst enemy, depending yeah. on where we want to be in life. It's just, it just depends on exact. It just depends on the mindset. It's just so amazing what our minds can do, and um, what our minds can create, just from being yeah. in experiences. Yeah, think about it. I mean, the microphone you're holding, the shelves that are behind me, yeah. you know, the book that I wrote, those all came from a mind. 
Yeah. Those, somebody had to think about that first. First person to think about, oh, hey, how, how can I develop this new microphone or how can exactly. I write this book? Yeah. I, I mean, it all comes from our minds. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up with a learning disability and I'm still trying to move forward with mindset of I no longer have that learning disability. But it's it's a struggle because of growing up with it for so long. It, it's a daily task, but you do get through it eventually. It's just it's progress more than perfection. You're absolutely right. And our daughter, who graduated from the Air Force Academy, was diagnosed with dyslexia and anxiety disorder and an attention disorder in middle school. Oh, wow. And, you know, she learned with, you know, parents are always like, you know, turn your music off and study. Well, our daughter learns with music. Our daughter learns with colors and things like that. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we used to always tell her, play to your strengths, yeah. play to the way that you learn. And, and you will get to where you need to be. And when you go to the Air Force Academy, there's no accommodations. You don't get to take your tests in a, you know, in a separate room or you don't get more time or anything like that. It's like, hey, it's sink or swim. And I'll tell you, one of the proudest days my wife and I ever had is our daughter walking across that stage, getting her diploma and shaking hands with the president of the United States. So that's a pretty big deal for her. That's amazing. And just from going from her own struggles and to have such amazing parents too, because you guys really did play to her strengths and told her to do it a different yeah. way because we don't all right. learn the same and that's okay. It's just, right. it and, and that's fine. Yes. Yeah. But schools are, you know, schools are set up so that the class learns in the same way. Well, yeah. There may be one or two kids in there that don't learn that way. Maybe they're, yeah. they're really intelligent and they're bored. And so, you know, they don't do well because they're not putting forth any effort yeah. or maybe they have a learning challenge like our daughter did or like you did. And yeah. you learn how you learn how to use that to your advantage, or at least you should. You should try to learn how. You know what? Yeah, I, I studied with headphones on because music helps me understand dates and and times and battles in history class or stuff like that. Or you know, colored pencils help me in my math. Okay, use those then. Play to your strengths. Yeah, and, and colors and music are really good for education in general, and, and it should be used more in schools because. It, no matter how like advanced or how much you're struggling, it should just be used in education because it's it's so productive and people yeah. don't realize that music is so productive and colors are so productive yeah. for like any kid at any stage. So my last question is, let me see if I can remember this. Um, what is the best advice that you would give um, the audience of just their perspective and their mindset of going forward in just life in general. So I'll tell you a story. Um, I've always been a big fan of Westerns growing up when I was young. And again, this is, oh, you I'm old, like you're God. young, and I don't <laughs> remember these shows. My mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke and Bonanza. And my favorite was Wild Wild West. 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's kind of a huge blockbuster. It starred Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not just made up characters for the movie. Yeah. Now, Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but pretty much Doc Holliday was a gunslinger and a card shark. 
and Wyatt Earp, most of his adult life, had been some form of a lawman. And somehow these two men from entirely opposite backgrounds come together and form this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc Holliday is dying of tuberculosis at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from where I live. The real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium, and he's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt, at this point in his life, is destitute. He has no money. He has no job. He has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc, and the two men pass the time that way. And in this almost last scene in the movie, they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, when I was younger, I was in love with my cousin, but she joined a convent over the affair. But she's all that I ever wanted. And then he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt kind of nonchalantly says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal. There's just life. And get on with living yours. Danielle, you and I probably know people. There's probably people out there listening to us that are saying, you know what? I'm just kind of sitting back. And when this happens, I'll have a normal life. Or when this arises, I'll have a successful life. Or when that occurs, I'll have a significant life. What I'd like to leave your audience with is this. Don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Get out there. Find the reason you were put on the face of this earth. Use your unique gifts and talents and live that reason. Because if you do, at the end of your life, I'm going to promise you two things. Number one, you're going to be a whole lot happier. And number two, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your heart. Oh, well, thank you for leaving that with my audience. And um, oh, wow, that really resonated with me, too. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you so much, um, Carrie, for just your amazing story and that amazing movie that you and everything that you left us with, with the audience and with myself. I've learned so much from you just from interviewing you and getting to know you. And I'm thankful for you just being on my podcast. And thank you very much for having me on. I always say it's nice people like you that allow me to come on and have a conversation with them. And if that conversation makes a positive difference in one other life, then today's been a good day. Oh, yeah. Today's been a really good day. I've learned so much from you. Um, I think that everybody should be checking out your book. And I'm going to leave that in the show notes so people can find it, the links to everything so they can find your book and get in touch with you and hopefully learn a lot more about having to learn how to, like, just get through life and be a little bit more optimistic and live a really good life, but not putting that much pressure on themselves to live a crazy extravagant life. Because I think that we, as people, think that we're supposed to live this adventure, but the adventure is happening while we're living it. And we don't realize that. So thank you so much. And for everybody watching, thank you. And for anybody listening, thank you for um, listening to my podcast. Thank you for being a part of On Air with Danielle Gray. This was deep dive conversation with Terry and don't forget to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast and thank you again and we will be here back again on another Thursday for a new episode so thank you everybody for taking the time to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast and goodbye for now <laughs>